This interview is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. In Practice is an independent publisher and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of In Practice. Frederick, um, I mean, 20 years, over 20 years at Lefko, right? I mean, the, pretty much the original Swedish serial acquirer. What were the main lessons you've taken from that experience and, and applied to Roko? You have something. If, if you have a business with a high margin, your, your customer, you do something well because your customers accept to pay a high price. It's really important. Then the risk that customers will jump off that something is happening is much less as well than in a low margin business. And so that's one thing. Second thing is that the company with a good historical profit development is also very strong. The numbers are very strong. They, they are very important. They tell you the story also for the future. Which numbers do you look at? Yeah, we look at, uh, yeah, as we only look at ca- asset-like companies. So, so, but, but basically what we look at, we look at EBITDA development, historical, and then we, we look at the cash flow and see if the cash flow confirms the EBITDA development. Uh, they're following so they always make a check for the cash flow so high margin business signals quality offering or value add what, what else did you take away from from lifco and then we have this thing with sector agnostic and uh, not sector agnostic and, and, and at lifco we had our dental business uh very focused and the thing if, is that if you look from 2014 until today they only doubled their profits in the dental field, in something they call system solution is, is basically other. Could be anything. They tend double the profit. So the, the problem, if you're sector focused and the sector is not huge, you run into problems because of suddenly maybe the sector gets very popular, multiples they are too high and you can't acquire. Or you are, or, or you want to buy bad companies because because you want to do deal and, and there are not enough good deals around. Maybe you buy a bad company. Uh, so so that's one thing. So, and and third thing when we make mistakes is when when you look at small companies, if even you you try to find companies which are market leader in the niche, or you can call it moat, the Buffett way. And sometimes you, you, it's difficult to judge that. Sometimes you make an error on that the more quality you know, aspect of the business. When, when they're smaller companies, you mean? When they're smaller companies, yes. So, so when they're bigger, you can have a better understanding of the actual moat and the quality of the asset? So there's some, some takeaways. Why did you start Roco so soon? I mean, you didn't have to do this, right? No, I don't have to do this for, for money, but, you know, it's a... It's a the, the thing is, I can't win the Olympic gold medal anymore. Many sports. So that's you can take out. And then if, if you try to do something completely new when you don't, where you don't have experience, where I'm pretty old, I'm just turned 60, you know, it. your brain is also slower. With 60, you can't win the Nobel Prize. I mean, you're still... You're st- Buffett would say you're still pretty young. He's 92. Yeah, you yeah, got, yeah. got 30 years. But, but if you have 30 years experience of doing something, it has a value. But but 
do you want to be, is it, do you want to build a legacy or do you care about is it the, the numbers you care about and that the, the like Buffett would say his reputation his legacy is pioneered no I think it's I mean it, it's a for me it's it's the competition you know you, you can see if you if you look for example in Sweden you look at the large cap uh, share list you know Lifco is climbing all the time all the time yeah Catching up with the old, old established big companies, taking one after one. Atlas Copco and yeah, and not Atlas Copco, but SKF. You know that one, Electrolux. So these kind of old big corp, Swedish corporations, and you see that they are taking company after company. They grow, outgrow them. It's pretty nice, <laughs> but I start in a smaller scale now. I have to restart. Well, I mean, you started small, but it's not that small anymore. But is 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 it is that the kind of allure of or the attraction of the public market where there is a scoreboard, you know, and it's you know that's the competition. Yeah, I think I think for me it's uh, it's attractive because then if you complete the private, you 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 have to relate somehow. Am I doing a good or bad job? You know, and 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 if there is competition, you you're, you're more on your Toes, you know, you. I, I like the competition aspect of the public market, but for us, it's also that if it is also good to to have liquidity for our share, we promise our shareholders to go to the public market, so they can so they can say, decide if they want to stay on or sell. I mean, how does it feel to be running your own acquirer, where you own? you know, a significant amount of equity versus being a CEO of someone else's business. Actually had a lot of freedom under Carl Benet, my at Lifco. And and now we are, we are a team, so it's actually more complicated because I have to get everyone to agree. I was more a dictator at Lifco. So you, pre- you prefer being a, a team rather than a dictator? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but it works <laughs> both ways, but it's, uh, it's, it's different. So, so I had a lot, you know, I had a lot of freedom at Lifco and it felt that I had the great support of my major shareholder called Benet, but I had all the freedom in the world. So, so it was more or less like running your own business. Well, uh, and then, but was it was it the whole um, you know the, the equity that you did you want to be more you wanted to feel like you owned more equity? I mean, instead of owning a couple million dollars, now you own you know a, a bigger chunk of it. Is that what you was missing at Lifco? Yes, so missing and missing. You know, you had a good remuneration, and you also had the. I still have the the equity. I haven't sold yet any shares in Lifco. So, so it and it's it's not the big size of the company as a total, but for a private individual, it's a, it's good. You know? So, so it's. I think it's 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 more. Uh, it is also that I do something for the long term for my family. I build, you know, I build wealth. Mm. That's an advantage, you know. If you do, and, and I have control of the company, so, so with together with Thomas Billing, my partner. Well, at Lifco, it seems like there was a limited the the, the, the comp plan was limited. I think it was a seventy percent of the base you could only get in in a in a bonus. Is that right on the at, at Lifco, which seems yeah, my bonus as 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 we had my bonus system was like that that there was a cap on the bonus, so I was always on max bonus. And you had to buy your shares, though the, what, the three hundred thousand shares. You had to buy those. Yeah, yeah I bought my shares at uh, the public offering. You know, two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. Full market value, and then I I bought some more when I quit. 
so yeah, it was hard to really get the a real a real stake then in the business without. Yes, I, I actually I was offered a big stake in year two thousand, but then I I didn't dare to. Well, then I had small kids and I just bought a house and and uh, to, to to have loans and so on. I didn't I didn't even take the opportunity. So so, would you say you were risk averse then, or reverse compared to now? So the thing is, then I, I now I have some money. You know, it's it's right, yeah. completely different. You know, story. Mm. Well, and just look at the last four years then for Roku. I mean, you know, you've gone from zero incorporation from a blank piece of paper to call it a hundred million euro in EBIT. I mean, let's say you let's say you list that today. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to get thirty x probably. Lift, you know that that's three billion in in market value. I mean, did you dream that this would you'd, you you create that value this quickly? Did you think that was possible? No, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't think like that. As a, I think as a you, as I, I, you know, I don't reason like that. What I do is that I, I start off, and and we, we try to get a good team, and and then we try and see what happens. Do you follow me? Yeah, but but, the, but we didn't have a plan, you know. We didn't we didn't have a clue how fast we could uh, put that man, money into the market and acquire this company. But it's, it's you know it's important. It's very difficult to say. But but no other serial acquirer in history, I think, from my studies, has scaled that quickly from zero to a hundred in say three years. So yeah, but but you know it's the experience. And you understand if you've been doing this for. T- uh, first, 20, first ten years before Lifco, then 10, twenty years at Lifco. You know, it's uh, it's much easier if you have the experience. You know exactly what to do. But I mean, the, you've you bought a lot of businesses quickly, though. You know, so it's. But I mean, Lifco has bought the same amount of businesses this year as Rilco. You, you understand? It's no no difference. It's the same. Well, it, it is well, different. If I'm right? sitting at Lifco buying these amount of businesses, or I sit at Rilco, there's no difference. But well, but but it, it is a bit different though, because Lifco has, you know, what a hundred businesses that have cash flow. Right? You have, you have twenty, so it's less. It's it's more diversified at Lifco today. So they can, so they can be braver, right? I mean, arguably. Yes. Okay. You 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 sort of. Sort of so you know, if if they make a mistake, is is, uh, but the the thing is with Lifco and with Roku is is the future growth which is important. You know, if you look at Lifco, I, I, in three to four years, half of the businesses will be uh, half of the business will be new. These kind of businesses renew themselves all the time. Well, I was pretty. I got Lifco's numbers here. I was pretty surprised. So you know, just briefly then. They didn't make that many acquisitions early on. So 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, you made three, three acquisitions, seven, three, three, one, four. It's not that many. Right? No, no. No, I tried to explain to you. So the background is that I knew that my, uh, so my shareholder was happy if we increased profit, increase profits every year. So that was my goal. And, and, we, 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 and, and you, we, and, and I was in no stress, you know. Uh, you mean Carl? Carl was happy. Carl was happy with and just Carl growing was happy profits. and we were growing. Profits were growing. He gets a dividend. Yeah. It's a private company. 
But it all changed when we went onto the stock exchange. You see, from 2014. You, you, you cried one in 2014 and seven in 2015, 11, 13, 10. So it accelerates. You know. So it's actually, that's why I'm saying that public markets is pretty good because then you can have benchmark against something. I was happy doing free acquisitions a year. Before. Comfortable. comfortable. Too comfortable. Yeah. Yes. So why did you choose to go so actively sector agnostic? Because if you look at, at LIFCO from 2014 to 2022, if you look at dental, they increased profit two times. Demolition tools, six times. And system solutions, the sector agnostic division, 10 times. Because we didn't have, as a, we didn't have something like Constellation, a magic formula for software business when we started. And then it's better to go sector agnostic because it's better to to invest into really good companies in a good situation where the management likes it, they want to stay on and run the business. Is there, but how do you look at the risk-adjusted return where you're going into more more areas that you potentially know less than dental, for example? Yeah, but the problem is, is, is what I'm saying is that if you have good financial performance, what I've learned, if you have good financial performance, that's the most important thing for a number of years. It's much stronger that, than that you belong to a certain industry. If you don't have something like consolation software. Well, but there's, you know, they're, they're buying recurring revenue and like Beth's beauty is probably more cyclical where there's, you know, there's a consumer related, it might be more consumer related, right? No, the Beth's beauty is not cyclical in this crisis. They go for the high end market and it's not effective. But the craft beer business or some of the business you have is some of the stuff you have on the B2C side is far more cyclical than what Constellation will have, for example. Yeah, yes. So Constellation, yes, I, I agree. Constellation is better. So we have the beer business a little bit cyclical, yes. Well, I guess my, my question is more around the, the, the great benefit of doing being sector agnostic is it increases your runway so you can grow, you can acquire many more things. But it also increases. Have to, it you have to know what you're acquiring. You have to know. You have to know the sectors and the businesses, which on a wider scale, which arguably can increase the risk of getting something wrong and making mistakes. Yeah, but but it also reduces increases the quality. You have a greater choice. So I don't know if there is bigger risk. I mean, the choice is bigger. You can make a choice. You're not forced to buy a bad company in a bad business to exaggerate. There is a choice. So you're, so you're saying, for example. Beth's Beauty, or you know, I'm using that as an example, but as a, a consumer business that you might look at could, although it might be consumer, it might be higher quality than a dental business that Lifco might buy, because you're just buying the highest, the best possible business in the beauty space. Yeah. But how do you know about the beauty industry? <laughs> do you even <laughs> have you looked at this business, this industry before? I can't imagine you being a, you know, owning L'Oreal shares or. Estee Lauder, like how, how well do you know the beauty industry? You, how well I know the beauty, but I look at me, I've been involved in so many industries throughout my life, and I look at the company, I look at the competition, you know. So it's, uh, but do you have to know them a lot? Like, do you have to know, yeah, do you have to study these, these industries for like 10 years to understand and make a decision? Or, and then you have the most important thing is look at the competition. 
and see how they have developed compared to the company you're looking at. If this company has lost market share for 10 years, it's not very good. You know? So you focus on the financials of the business? Ultimately. Yes, and, and the competition and, and, and the customers and the suppliers and try to understand the whole you know, business. But this is a very niche beauty business. Is that if, you, if you know everything about Estee Lauder, it doesn't help. Right, exactly. Yeah. You understand? Well, if I mean, you come Estee Lauder, you, know, you don't know anything. You have to study a specific business. Exactly. The reason why I'm asking is because, like you said about Constellation, they have a they have a pure modeled in in vertical market software. They they know that. Whereas, like for example, Warren Buffett, on the other hand, you know, is a different type of serial acquirer. Arguably, he buys anything and everything, and he looks at them like I guess like you do, like the quality of the asset, the quality of the business. Um, but he he has also studied these things for for years in terms of the industry and typically knows them. So how would you compare Roco in, in Yes, in your it's, style? I think Buffett, if you read his, uh, I, I, if you read what, what he likes, so, so what I'm saying is that he's applying that on very mature markets, big public markets used. If we apply the same principle in an unmature private market, small company market, it can't be too bad. Do you follow me? It should be better for you in a private market. Yeah, it should be better and it should be easier to find these kind of companies that he's looking for. What's the big risk? The big, as I said, there are people asking, they are speaking about risks all the time because the, the beauty with this business model is that you're investing in so many different industries and so many different companies. So, so if you make a mistake in one company, it doesn't matter. And, and if you look at the experience from Lifco and, and the Indertrade, the two oldest ones, as a, if you're Alvarsson, he's actually older than I am in the business. I discussed with him. You make, so you make a mistake and it's not very good. Maybe one, one, one time out of 20, a real big mistake. But, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's, if you make enough acquisitions and you're acquiring an arm, and I'm trying to I try to think about is there any company which we had to close down as a, or, or we had to inject cash? If you have to inject say, is there any company that had to inject cash to save or something? No. So the, the errors you make is that the, okay, you buy a company 20% more, it maybe goes down to 10%. But it still it still contributes with cash, and you have a little bit lower return. On your investment, it is not that you buy a company and suddenly there's a big cash drain. You understand? Well, what were the biggest mistakes that you made at Lifco then? We bought some s- small companies which were where we couldn't increase profits, and they they had a little bit low. Maybe 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 they half the profits, and we bought one company actually, which it took. Had very good development in the beginning, and then 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 it was a service business. Then we got problems with the personnel and and quality and, and so on. It took four years to get back on track. So so so, 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 so these kind of mistakes sometimes it's it's not a smooth ride. You have to work a little bit and get it going again. Well, and were they typically smaller or bigger acquisitions where you made mistakes? I think smaller is more. If you don't, the f- beauty with the constellation is that they have this. Rec- if you buy a small company without recurring revenue, it's a higher risk. If you if you're buying bigger businesses, if, if you're not buying recurring revenue, you should buy bigger businesses. 
Yeah, yes. So I, I, because I didn't realize Constellation were buying such small businesses. I would never touch them. Yeah, million dollars they buy, but over, yeah, yeah, so I would never touch them because I think it's too much work, you know, and too much risk and people dependent. And I, I would never buy them. But then I saw that they have seventy percent recurring revenue. Now I understand why they can buy these small businesses. How do you look for? Recurring revenue, or is it not a major factor? In no, 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 no. Yeah, you know, the best businesses we bought are these dental software businesses within Difco. They are so nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're excellent. I say I, I admire Constellation that they can find all these small businesses. I, I, it's just a, so, 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 so they found a niche, the perfect niche to buy small businesses. I can't imagine a better niche. Maybe this yet uh, spare part, whatever you call it. Aerospace, yeah. Aerospace spare parts. But there are not so many niches like that. So so I agree, you know, but I didn't know about this constellation, how they worked until a couple of, uh, one year ago, perhaps. So 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 I didn't know that we were so bad at Lifco. <laughs> yeah, there's... And you said... There's always someone bigger and better out there, right? <laughs> but now there's a company which performed better, and that's really annoying. But, but that, yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe then you can ask yourself, you, know, you can why don't you go, why don't we go into the software business? That was my next question. But, yes, but it's it's like, I think like there are hundreds of companies trying to do that, trying to yes. yeah. so, so we are too late. Do you buy software companies or do you, is that, do you focus on that at all? Or you're open to buying well, software? The thing is, why you have another question. Cons Consolation, they do a lot of direct deals. For bro and we do primarily for brokers our deals. And, and these small companies, I think the brokers are not interested. So you have to go direct as Constellation does, because we don't see many of these software companies. When we see those companies, they're extremely expensive. Right, because the private equity comes in and pays like yes. five times revenue. Yeah. Yes, so, so, so we can't buy them. Constellation, they have, they have the database. They know exactly how they can increase profits so they can buy them. So, so if there is a, normally we can't, they are too expensive. So, you, so the brokers don't even bring you software companies then, really? You, they, no, they because they think that we are, we don't pay up enough, and uh, you understand. So, so we are actually not in the game. How many brokers do you use? I don't know. We have maybe thousand in our brokers. Thousand brokers. Yeah. Yes, there are so many in Europe. Wow. So, but but we we are not, of course you know you have close relationships to some and. Some you only meet once. They could just be one. They could just be one guy, like being a broker in a certain yes. region. Yeah, yeah. Because we we are not buying as small companies as Constellation normally, but but we buy small companies. So it's it's not Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So back to this sector, um, being sector agnostic. But so when you look at serial acquirers, you know. Largo Crowns, the old Bergman and Bevan, AdTech, even Lifco have the dental business, demolition tools. What what advantages, if any, did Lifco get from focusing on dental and demolition tools then? I said, you know, I to to be really honest with you, we always looked at the single companies. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Separate when you're going yeah. to make a company public, when you report you it, you have to put yeah, them yeah. into baskets. <laughs> you have to tell a story. Yeah, exactly. That's the story. Yeah. Okay, so really, they're not they're not really segments. You look on a company, company by company level. You always look company, company. But 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 were there no were there no benefits in were there any synergies between dental? Let's say you got twenty dental businesses. Well, did you get yeah, any advantage? Yeah, they had some synergies. That's to be to some extent they shared the same warehouses. Okay, and you knew what to do with the business. You could, you knew when you was going to increase prices. You knew what would happen, or are they are they still so different that you don't you don't actually know. But we knew we knew that we knew the things we knew that we saw immediately if a company has too much costs in it, or if they were running the wrong price strategy. That's the knowledge, but that's the same with constellation. They don't do synergies. It's this knowledge. We had the knowledge how uh, what what a dental company should look like. But, but how, so, how do you think about in Roco now, where you don't have the knowledge of yeah, you know, yeah, we, we beauty companies instead of the two times profit increase? You know, it's no value having a lot of knowledge if if there are not enough companies to to apply it on. You understand, but but then but then let's say if you don't know if you don't know how twenty beauty businesses perform, you don't. You have to buy better quality businesses because you don't know how to run them as well as you yeah, would. But for if you know, we run, we know the, the thing is there are some general things which you look at, which you see. You have a, I mean, we always been very feel for that. For example, I, I have done I have one private investment before Eko. Thomas and I did this in, in yacht supplies. It's been a tremendous success. We didn't know anything about yacht supplies before acquiring that company. You understand? So you're looking at cash flow and just how to, you know. Yeah, yeah. And also how to maybe look at their, their personnel and cost structure. Do they need all these uh, people? We look at that and we, we discuss with them in what segments can you increase prices or not. You know, we do work with the companies. We ask them relevant questions. And, and normally, you know, they improve their, their margins. You know, I'm old, you know, in Sweden, in the dental business, when I started in Sweden, the, the industry average was 5% return on sales. When I quit, it was 20%. You, you follow me? <laughs> yeah. And these things you don't do because you know the industry is just, it's more like politics. You want to high, high taxes or low taxes. So, so when, when you, how, how do you look at risk for Roco? Like I mean, there is one big risk is the recession. Why, why is that a risk? Yeah, because yeah, 2008, I mean, the, the turnover dropped, I think, 30. I think our profits dropped 30% at Lifco. But that's the only major risk there is in a company, diversified company, like Rirko or Leafco or Indutrade. Or, and of course, if you have management which make wrong decisions or are slow and destroy the culture, if, if you put a new manager in who doesn't understand it's a centralized culture, he can ruin the company. So, so, so I think general recession and change of management is risky. Let's talk about the... Let's talk about the change of management now then. Um, you know, why do you buy 60, 70% of a company? 
not a hundred percent typically. Yes, it just turned out that it it's uh, it's uh, first of all the management is incentivized to do a good job. You know that, that that's one thing, and and secondly is also that when we offer this opportunity for them to stay on, they like it, and they prefer us as a buyer to people who don't offer that. And for us, it's good if the management stays. You know. If you have a well-performing business, increasing profits every year with a good margin, and they stay on or incentivized, it's good for us. Well, especially when you're buying across so many different sectors, right? because that, that's that's another risk potentially. Where, like, for example, if you're in a dental business and you have thirty dental companies, well, if one goes wrong, you can take this guy and put him there, and and you know, and you understand more about the sector and you know people in the sector, whereas. If you have 20 different sectors, you've got to find people which could, the succession could be quite hard. You know, and my experience also that you don't, for managers, the most important thing is that you get a good manager. Because the industry knowledge you have within the company, you follow me. And if you take away a good manager from another dental company, you'll have a problem in that other dental company. You need a manager. Yeah, but how, how do you find them? It's, it's, it's different. The less risky option is to uh, recruit internally. Uh, and uh, otherwise you do external and it's more higher risk because you don't know the people. Well, there's one thing that I've always been surprised about Buffett, for example, where he, buy, he buys 100%, but the founders seem to always stay. I, don't, I think maybe it's just because he's Buffett and he's like, you know. No, no, no. And that's, a, that's an also an option. I think... So we bought a Norwegian. My first acquisition actually was a Norwegian dental company, and and the man he he was not he was not a huge shareholder. Maybe he owned fifteen percent, but but he stayed on as a manager. And and the thing is, he knows his industry very well. That was within the dental industry. He loves his job, and and he told me, Fredrik, I don't know why I'm doing this. Why I'm working for you? Because if I spent a little bit more time trying to invest my money, it would have been much more financially profitable than work for you. But I love this business. I love my customers. I love doing what I'm doing. Therefore, I stay on. It's finding those fanatics, those fanatical people. They love their job. Yes. So if they love their job, they stay on. How, so let's say that... You're, you meet a business. How do you tell if the person loves, really loves their business? How do you tell if you've really got a really great founder? It's more a feeling, you know. And people are pretty honest you know, when they sell. They tell us, no, no, you know, I, I, I work too much and, and, and I, really, I, I really feel like a change in life. They tell you that normally. People, people you know, people is, are honest normally. Of course, there are some people telling a lie or telling a story, but there are very few. You have to get that feeling whether you have someone really great who knows their Yeah, but business. if you have delivered constant growth for a number of years, you bet than your competitors, you do something right. You, you understand? Of course. The numbers, the numbers are very strong. They tell you a know, story. They are the truth. Yes, yes. So, I mean... Uh, it, I'm just thinking of the put call option. And so it's a 10 year put call option. Is there a risk at the end of that put call? Let's, let's say the founder wants to leave then. Is there a risk you're going to have to yeah, find? Yeah, 
Yeah, the there's the risk is is different. So the but what we have right now the beauty in, in the so for example in the beauty business she wants to stay on and another business they also want to stay on and in a third so two out of three where we had this discussion wants to stay on or at least prolong the options at least part of the option and and one wants to 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 leave so it's different so so maybe so so it's, it's uh, it's, a, it's, always, it's always a discussion at the end of the period if they want to stay on or not. And if that when that person wants to leave, you have to have a successor in place to take over. Yes. Uh, so, so in that case, actually, we we where, he, where the person is leaving, he he was very clear on that from the beginning. So we recruited the new manager, and he was bad, and then we recruited another manager. I hope he will be good. So, is that a big? Is that a challenge then to find good successes when the original founder leaves? Yeah, the bigger the company, the less is the challenge. Because then you can pay a good price. As it's, if you can pay a decent, it's, it's tricky if small businesses, and and uh, and you can't pay a proper salary. Then 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 it's really tricky. Why don't more companies do put the ten year put call option? One, what it seems like an interesting way to structure it for the founder. I don't know. Uh, as we, we, before, I, when I, the last couple of years at Lifco, we started doing that as well. Why did you start doing it? It was just this kind of circumstances they, they wanted to stay on. Because normally they do a two, three year earn out and it's kind of standard bonus. No, no, I think Indertrade is the earn out company. The problem with the earnout is they are so focused on the earnout, the managers. The only you can't think of anything long term. They just focus on the earnout. So, so it's too. I think earnout, and we use earnout sometimes as well. It's always turned out it's more expensive than to pay cash from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because if the seller they always hit it, accepts yeah. an earnout, the product probably knows that the business is will develop well within the yeah. next one to two years. Do you follow me? Exactly. Um, okay, so, so let, let's say that you know, the, the the due diligence process. Then, so let's say Johan, you know, he, he's out. He's he's found a deck. He's, a broker's contacted him. He's got an interesting company. He sends it to you. you know, what do, what do you look for when you get that deck from a from a company, what are, you, what are you looking for in terms of metrics? Yeah, first we look at the financials, and, and actually, consecutive profit growth. And uh, actually, we increase. You speak about the margins. Actually, we increase the margin of minimum fifteen percent because of our average is like 90 percent. So now it's a minimum fifteen percent. Right. So I see you got ten yeah. percent there. I thought that's a bit too low yes. normally. Yeah. No, but but actually, it's 95 percent of our opportunities where we get. They, they can't meet the financial criteria. Well, why is there no return on equity or return on invested capital metric? So then return on investment. So if you buy, I say the industry average is A times EBITA, not the A, what you pay for this kind of company, this size. And it's been like that for the last 20 years. Why is and that? Is. Why is that? I don't know. It just happens to be like that. It's so weird, but what, it's, what it's, this... it's, it doesn't have no connection whatsoever to the stock market. Yes, it just happens to be like that. But it's like an arbitrage that will always exist. Is that? Yeah, it's been existing for the last 20 years and still there. <laughs> yeah, but why? <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, 
the company we bought a company uh, selling artificial flowers. They had thirty-seven offers, but we won it at at normal rate, you know. So it's it's just how how it works. I think maybe that's just what they're worth. These companies because they're small and they're you know they they have a founder and it's riskier than a big public business. So they're worth they're worthless. Okay, but, so, but, but, so and then all these here quite proves that if you have a bunch of them, is it's worth more. Yeah, it's worth more. <laughs> well, uh, so, 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 so basically, what you have return on investment in the beginning, before you 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 you've done anything, is twelve and a half percent. And and then 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 there are two ways for old established companies. Take Lifco for example. We have had. From 2010 until 2019, at least, maybe even 10, nine good years, more or less. So almost all companies have increased their profits. So then return on investor capital increases. And then you also have amortization of intangibles over time. And then also the, the base gets smaller. So, so the older your company is, the higher is the return on investing capital, you can say. And we are very young, so we only have this 12.5%. I think our average holding period is one and a half year on the 22 companies. So, so, so actually it doesn't, so we, we, we are basically at, the, at what we paid. Yeah, but, but do you look at like, let's say the, the business comes to you, do you look at like, obviously the, the capital they have, the assets they have, the, the, the invested capital, and look at the return they're currently earning at the opco level. At the yeah, but, but you know, if, if, if you think like this, we, we, the returns, you know, on their capital is, is normally plus 100%. Because yeah, they have no capital. You no, know, no, they, 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 have, they have some uh, receivables, they have some stocks, very little fixed assets, and they have high profit margin. It's the goodwill which creates the intangibles, which of is course. the yeah, yeah. No, I was just curious if you actually look at that, you know, because some companies like Judges Scientific or others, they say, you know, we look at the, you know, the at the opco level because, like you said, over a long period of time, Roco, the holdco, will, will the, the return on investor capital will, will converge with the returns on the underlying assets, yeah. so it'll increase over time, like you've seen at Lifco. And- but but it's, it's it's we have some at Lifco use. We would never buy a company with less than 50 percent return on capital employed. But, but but in reality, most companies were 150 percent return on capital employed. It could be like if you have a spare parts business, you have a high spare parts stock. Probably this uh, aerospace spare parts. They could be in the beginning pretty low because of the spare parts stock. But then they increase prices, and then probably they're okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so actually, we don't buy any paper paper manufacturing companies or asset heavy company. It doesn't work. Where did you come up with these metrics? You know, continuous profit growth, EBITDA margin, management in place, market capex under five percent, size, cost per concentration. Like, where did you get this from? You're obviously your experience. Did you do you read Buffett? Do you read Fisher? Do you look at like anyone else? If you look at them, seventy percent is uh, Buffett. You can say. At least, it's, or Fisher or whatever. I just read the book on all this. Just checking there. There, Phil Fisher. Yeah, yeah. I think he is the one with continuous profit growth. Only two years in ten years, you can have a profit drop. Is that Fisher? 
or is it Buffett? I don't remember. But they, it's, it's basically from, so it's a little bit inspiration for them and, and then seeing what had worked, you know, personally as well. Do, do, you, do you follow Buffett at all much or? No, not only, not what he's doing today. No, no. But I, sometimes I read, uh, you know, books or papers on how he thinks. Like oldest. But I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not reading every, what is his annual talk? Annual. No, someone else is, has to summarize it for me first. <laughs> do, 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 you, do you follow anyone like that in Sweden or like historically like the, any uh, um, the old no, families? No, my hero is, he, he was Jan Wallander, you know, Handelsbank and this was like 40 years Europe's best bank. And he was the first one really pushing for decentralization. So, so he let each, each bank office, the manager of the bank had, uh, could, could do, could, could basically decide everything up to a certain level of, uh, uh, yeah, you know, up to a certain level on, on loans, individual loans. So he, he pushed that responsibility down in uh, traditional banking and this was he did this in the 60s and and, and he, he stopped you know budgets he stopped all all, all things that just takes time and I, and had no value and so he he's it's he's a real pioneer in decentralization how decentralizes roco it's the same do you, you know do you tell them to have a certain uh, HR system or financial ERP no, 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 system? No, no, no. The only thing they need to do is to report in our Excel spreadsheet every month and send you the money. <laughs> and send us, and, and they have to they, they have to report every month. They have to uh, uh, they have to set up a bank account connected to our bank cash pool where they put the excess money. That's basically what they have to do. And there was a, we decide the dividend in every company, how much dividend should be paid out. And then what, so they report to you, you send them an Excel file and they report, they yes. report to you every, every month? Profit and loss and balance sheet. And they, you obviously have an auditor that, that does that on a yearly basis. You know, so then we already now run quarterly reports like a public company. So you can, yeah. on the homepage, you can see our quarterly reports. So we're basically running like a public company already. Just in case. Yeah, yeah, but we will, you know, we are big enough and uh, so, so we will go public as soon as things calms down. And we know what this re recession, if it's coming on, on how much or not, we, we don't know. So back to this EBITA margin, I know you said it's 10% in your documents, you've increased it to 15%. Um, you know, why, why not 20%? Consolation has 20, 25% return. Yeah, but they buy companies, you know, with lower margins and then they increase the profits to 25%. So why no, can't you have 20%? My experience is if you have a manufacturing business and you run, run into 2009 situation, you have to have 15% operating profit before, otherwise you will make a loss. If you take a, that's a, my personal experience. 
But why not have 20% as a hurdle rather than 15%? But because they want to, they, they, this is primarily, first of all, so the, if, if you say, so the brokers, we can't, they have these 10% because we want them to send us. Uh, so we don't want to, to make it too difficult. Because if you have a hurdle, to, if you tell the broker, we only buy companies plus 25% margin, then we won't see anything. And then, of course, the thing is, if you're on the stock exchange, if you're public, you know, people don't like if you decrease your margins. Why, did, be, you, why did your margin decline 1% last year? Yeah, we had uh, some problems in some businesses getting the uh, increase in the prices rapidly enough. Yes. And it's also a culture, it's a culture thing. These entrepreneurs, they, are, they love to grow their business and they may be not so interested as we are of high margins, because if you have lower margins, the cash flow gets worse. So we have some work to get them understand. So these are the kind of things you have to work on. So that like operationally changing their mind and how they actually focus on Think margin rather than yeah. yeah he's just telling me it's extremely important to keep the margin you, you just have to be very clear on that well i think the bergman and bevan and, and that empire have a good way of looking they say if you're if you're above 45 percent profit over working capital you can grow if you're not you've got to focus on margin but these companies we have they have more than 45 percent return on capital employees right they're high they're high yeah, yeah they're all the high so 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 therefore <laughs> It's, it's, you, we can't say you that you don't need to grow. Yeah. So, but we, we have to tell them that they have to. to as so the thing is, you have to. You shouldn't lose your margins. But people, pricing is always something. You know, so it's it's uh, something. It's an art, and you have to work a lot with that with the managers. How do you think about organic growth? For us, it's enough if organic growth is one percent. You know. So you don't care about growing much because it's, the returns are so high. It's proves. I think it proves on on average all these even constellation software don't have a doesn't doesn't have a high organic growth. It's more important to keep the margin to get cash flow to buy new businesses. You can't risk. You know the cash. You need the cash flow. It's better to have a good as a, a secure cash flow. Than high growth, so you can buy new businesses. If you have businesses to buy, yeah, but there are businesses to buy if you're sector agnostic. Well, how do you balance that? Because some companies, like you said, they focus on organic growth, higher organic growth, and you know. Some focus on redeploying the free cash flow at a faster rates, buying more businesses. How do you weigh up, you know, buying more businesses, but also making sure you've got quality assets and that they that they are at least maintaining their growth or their size, absolute dollar in size, you know, in EBIT. Because if, if if they start to decline, you know, ten percent, five, ten percent a year, then that's a problem. No, no, no. Those, but as I told you, it's very rare that they have these kind of businesses. If you speak to Alvarez as well, that in even for in the trade, you know it. It most businesses they grow on average a little bit. If they start declining five to ten percent, it's very bad. You, know? you can have that in a single year, something happens, but but not year after year. 
that's really bad. Well, so so let's say that the let's say that your businesses don't grow; the organic growth zero. That could be okay. This is a problem. As long as you have, you can take the cash to invest in some other company. And then, what about if you can't deploy the, the if you can't grow? Again, the problem with free consolation today is the question is: Can they keep on buying these new businesses? Because if they can't, they're left with a slow growing, well, zero percent organic growth asset. Effectively, that's not worth 30, 30 times multiple. It's worth fifteen times. So, therefore, it's good to have some not only constellation, also some other shares. Sector agnostic as we are, because we have much more opportunities. You understand? Well, so, so your so your model is it remind it's it's like a it's it's similar it's it's like Berkshire for small private businesses effectively. Effectively, yes. Because you can buy whatever you want. You don't you don't run the companies. You choose good managers like Buffett does. Buffett doesn't get involved in the companies. He chooses good. He chooses good people, and he's just he's just a capital allocator. He takes the cash flow up to up to Berkshire, Omaha, and and invests it in. He he buys public market shares, private companies. But he only buy private companies. But public, you know, he has to invest so much money, so he's forced to buy public companies. But we prefer private companies. They are much cheaper to buy. So we actually, I, I call the way Buffett does is I call it. Investment nirvana. You just buy a business with good management, then you do nothing. It's the dream. That's the dream. <laughs> it's the dream. <laughs> well, that's actually, if you're, you're right, that's actually our objective. That's how we want it. That's how we want it like that. Right. And yeah. You, but sometimes you have to change management because there's bad performance. That's the hassle. Well, and, and Buffett <laughs> does. <laughs> He, yep. he he does. I mean, he he is. He does get involved in Geico and the insurance stuff, and he is like you know. And I assume you will have to get involved and help management at some point, potentially, if you have to. But it is. It seems like it's the sector agnostic angle. Should, in theory, if you are good at capital allocation, mean that you always have something to buy potentially. You know? Whereas the risk with constellation others is like, well, what is Mark Leonard going to buy if? Everyone in the world starts buying software companies, and he can't. He can't find. Or, for example, the other problem that they face is they have to allocate so much capital. A billion. They're doing one point five billion now a year. You can't buy two thousand one million dollar companies. <laughs> you have to buy bigger companies, and so for, for you as well. Like I guess you'll have to buy bigger and bigger and bigger companies. No more. We still, you know, we have more plenty of room buying more companies. We'll take time to start buying bigger companies. So there are there are many companies around there. How do you think about scaling M and A? Scaling is not. I don't. I understand the constellation as a problem because they have to find all these small companies and they have to do this direct approach. So scaling M and A is really important for constellation, but for us, for the next. 10 years is a question about buying 6 to 12 companies a year. And then you don't have to scale anything. Well, you can make all the decisions. You can, you, can, you can do those yourself a year, every year? Yes. As we have, we have, you can say we have one to three investment managers meeting brokers all the time. But, but you make the decision, the final decision, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yes. We make the final decision. Yeah. So we have an investment. We call it investment committee. So we make the final decision. Only. But I mean, you do a hundred million in EBIT today, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna grow ten percent, let's say organic grows zero, just for argument's sake. If you want to grow ten percent, you've got to acquire ten million in EBIT. That's that. You know, t- let's say you're doing ten times. That's a hundred million in. If you want to go twenty percent, you've got to allocate two hundred million. So that's that's you know, quickly the numbers can get quite big for you, right? If you're yeah, if you're yes, but if you, if you look at uh, Lifco, then we are about the same size as Lifco was uh, two thousand fourteen. They had about one hundred million profit EBITDA. Now they have four hundred fifty million euro profit approximately. Two thousand twenty-two. You think you could beat that in? In the and next we don't nine know years. It, but they don't have. I, I, we have an approximately the same investment organization as Lifco today. So, 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 so we can at least we can run with our current organization. We can four four times increase the profits before we have to think about. Well, do you have? So, I mean, have, have you made any acquisitions this year? I don't think you have, right? You haven't announced anything. No, we made one at year end. A pretty big one. Our biggest so far. As at the 31st of December, it was... Uh, was that Ama? Ayat, it's called. And that, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And it, it's actually a very nice company. It's not... You, we don't write that in the press release, but it, they have like 90% market share for student caps. In you, Norway, you, in Denmark, Norway, and in Sweden, yeah. Denmark and Sweden. Yeah. Uniforms, yeah, yeah. There is caps you have it when you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and and they actually, the way they grow is to make them more and more complicated, elaborated every year. So that's one basis. And and now we are. Let's see if we can close uh, the next one. Is there any limit on how many you can acquire? Because you, obviously you've scaled pretty quickly. You've got some debt. Do you have the cash flow to uh, to make five acquisitions this year, or are you limited by the cap structure? The, no, debt the, the, the thing is, we have cash. We have uh, still to invest about, and we we have still to invest about fifty million euros from our shareholders, and then we have also uh, we can also collect another one hundred million euros if we want. So 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 we can get more cash from there. But this acquisition we are doing right now. This we're doing from cash flow, no no further bank debt, nothing from the owners. So it's and also the one in uh, around the new year, we probably could have done that without any injections from the cash from the shareholders. So we we start in using our cash. How do work. you how do you how did you think about leverage at Lifco, optimizing leverage? Well, we just decide as so with the banks is you get very decent interest rates if you stay below three, four times EBDA in debt. Uh, then, 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 uh, then you don't have any problems with financing with bank debt financing. It's very pragmatic. So, so then the banks are happy. Do you use that then to have to, to finance the acquisitions, or do you just have that on the balance sheet? And you know, basically, when we buy a company, we, we pay three times. We take normally it's three times uh, EBDA bank debt, 
debt in the rest of cash. Yeah, so the return on equity that you put in should be obviously much higher than the 12.5% on capital. It's... Well, how do you think about at some point, you know, for example, Constellation has delegated M&A down the organization really well, but they're obviously acquired recurring revenue, so they can do that. How how do you think about it? You know, Buffett, for example, hasn't done that. He just does it himself. How do you think about potentially training others, Johan, or do you see more as this just it's going to be you? But the thing is, I don't have any problem making a decision a day on an acquisition. If I get the right uh, material, then I can speak. Speak as a still, I want to speak to the management of the companies we are acquiring every time. Maybe I can stop doing that. But I want to see, uh, you know, I want at least I want to go through with the investment manager, the company, and the financials, and I, I will always do that. Is there a limit to like? Can you do? You can, I can do ten a day, and then you have three hundred sixty-five days, three thousand fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? It's not. It's just. It's just. I just want to understand what I'm buying. Do you, do you follow me? How how long do you want to do this for? In the confirmation case, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know it's it's different. They buy so similar companies, so, so I think, yeah. So so Mark Leonard doesn't need to look at every individual investment. He doesn't look at half of them. He doesn't. I don't know, but I would, I would continue looking at all of them because the problem I also experience if you buy tiny add-ons. And you're not doing your proper due diligence. You're not doing your proper thinking. That they have made mistakes on, on the tiny things. You have to be as tough with the tiny things as with the big things. Do you look at all the boltons then? Yes, all the boltons as well. Do you, do you like doing that? Is that do you enjoy doing it? Looking at it. Do yes. you enjoy looking at it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, I think that's an activity I'd be like Buffett, never stopped. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in your, it's in your that blood. I, I, that I will do until I die. Would you do Rocco until you die? Yes, until I die, yes. You can, you can I'm, see. Uh, if I still perform. You know. And if you don't, you will step down. You step down, yeah. So you could you could be 92 and but like Buffett and... <laughs> yeah. But maybe I will be a board member, working board member. But as a member of the investment committee, would be the, my retirement position. What 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 age are you looking at that retirement? Well, what 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 age would you? I don't you know I don't want to retire. I want to do business. Yeah, it's, it's like it's boring yeah. not to have something to do. What are you going to retire for? I'm sorry. Yeah, There's but no need I to think, retire. Yeah. I'm sorry, maybe he starts making clear. I don't know. He's, has he made good decision last three, four years? I don't know. Buffett. I mean, yeah, he's he's outperformed pretty much most big managers. Yeah, he bought Apple. He's bought oil companies in the last few years. He's, he's, he, he's getting work. better. He's getting better, actually. Getting better. <laughs> and that's good news. <laughs> yeah. And that's good news. And I can yeah. continue working. You've got you've got thirty two years left. Thirty odd yeah, years. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs>
Look, Freddie, this has been this has been great. Is there anything else um, we should we should know or? No, I think it's I think it's good. I think on Constellation, excellent company, but as you said, they have a lot of capital to deploy. And we have this sector agnostic model. Maybe we get the returns a little bit lower, but we can continue growing. Are there any other companies that you admire? You you own stock in public companies? Obviously, apart from Lyft, apart from actually, you know, the thing is, everything I've been involved in has outperformed the stock market hugely. There is only one company I bought. I bought two thousand seven for my pension portfolio. Big range of companies. There is only one apart from Lifco, which has performed. That's Novo Nordisk. So I sold everything else. I know I only have Novo Nordisk and Lifco. Then I kept just one bad company called Attendo. That they are uh, is is uh, for elderly people. You know, homes for elderly people. Depending on regulation and stuff, government. So that, that just to remind me, don't do any business with government. I look at it. <laughs> you keep it in your account to remind you. Remind <laughs> <laughs> me. But do, do you do you own do, do you invest in public stocks much, or you just focus on Roco? Do you, do no, you... I just focus on Roco. So I never do an active. Very seldom. I bought Constellation. Because eventually I realized they have a very different model. And it could be recession-proof, as you say, with the recurring revenue. So what did you like about it so much? That they can increase, they have a model to increase the profits immediately after the acquisition. By putting up the prices? By putting up the prices, to cutting down the cost structure. So, so I, 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 like, I like it's different, you know. We don't have a predefined, standardized model. Well, but, but other, you know... Other serial acquirers in Sweden say they can do that in their specific yeah, fields. It's not true. It's not true. No. Otherwise, they would have outperformed Lifco. They have not. Right. Since since IPO, did did AdSec do better or no? No. If you, I just look at how much I've increased the profits, then they like five times profits in ten years, and, and Lifco like six times. But then they done pretty pretty well. And well, I, let's see. I, maybe they do that, but then they do something else wrong. Because I think, like you said, like I like the Berkshire model, and, and you know your model seems similar to Berkshire, where it's pure, it's it's sector agnostic. You buy these companies, you you don't you don't think you're going to get synergies, you don't think you're going to change them. Whereas I feel like some some serial acquirers feel like because they segment in a certain area, they can make changes or they can change the business and maybe so but they say that but we also see that in you only seen that in constellation in the numbers and i also interviewed ex-employees of constellation so, so I, I know it works you was going to hire them or you just ch just chatting yeah. chat. let's see maybe maybe you can give constellation a run for their money over the next 10 years yeah <laughs>